Mirrors are shaking, their hearts awaken. Our God is moving, forever changing us. There is a trembling, there is revival, the sound of worship, so great and glorious. Holy Spirit, hear us now, breathe on us, holy fireful, come and fill this place with your presence, like the rushing wind, send your spirit here. Breath of heaven, breathe on us oh, Breath of heaven, breathe on us oh, Come breathe on us Yes, Lord Lord, breathe on us God's good. I want to preach tonight on a thought, who is in control? Who is in control? Now, if you go to somebody's house and you sit down with the wife and husband and ask who's in control, you'll find out. <laughs> or if he says, I am, and she looks at him real funny, you know really who's in control. Can you say man? You know, we're living in a world today that's quickly changing. How many knows that? Quickly. Every day it's changing. Something's happening. Something's ready to come up on the market. And, and yet everybody wants to be alike. How many of you know that? You let somebody go to school with holes in their pants and jeans and rips, and everybody's looking at them for the first time, and then they look at him and says, what on earth happened? And they say, this is the latest. So every girl and every boy goes out and gets used pants. They've got holes and tears in them, paid $80 for them. All because somebody said it's cool. How many know that's true? You know, in the church used to be, and I'm not talking about just back in my time, but even before, way back, the church said what is right and what was wrong. How many knows that's true? And so I remember, well, my wife, for instance, when she was a girl, they wouldn't let her go to the picture show because they said it was evil. So she snuck off one time with her cousin to see, what was it? Bye-bye, Birdie. And she got so convicted, she went home and confessed. Now, today, if all we seen was bye-bye, Birdie, the world would be better off. Isn't that true? And so things are changing. I remember when I was growing up, uh, it would be Sunday, and I, I would want to stay and sleep at home and not go to church. And my dad would make me get up, and my mother, and I, they'd make me go to church. As a family, we had to go. And I share with you before I said to her, it doesn't help me. My mother said, can't hurt you. You're going. And so that's, that's what families did. How many knows that? When it was a certain time every day, you ate together. Isn't that true? When my dad got home at 5 o'clock, 
we had to be there, and we had to be ready to eat because that's when we ate, and we ate as a family. And most everything we did when I was growing up was family-oriented. Whether it's a holiday, was my grandparents' birthday, or whatever it might be, that's what we did as a family. On Christmas, my grandmother, that was her birthday. And so every Christmas, we would go not only celebrate Christmas, but her birthday. And what used to be is, when it's your grandparents' birthday, you bought them a present. But today, the grandparents buy the presents on their birthday. And so things are quickly shifting. How many believe that? How many can remember riding a bus? How many don't remember riding a bus? How many's never rode a city bus or any kind of bus? <laughs> Where were you when the buses were running? Oh, she had a nice car. I'm kidding. But you know, that was normal, wasn't it? That was normal to ride a bus. Kids rode a bus to school. We rode a bus to town. Everything was going that direction, but things began to change. And people began to get cars. I remember when I was in school, um, I only know one person in our high school had an automobile. And that was because his dad was a doctor. But most parents said to their kids, you want a car? Go to work and buy it. We're not going to buy it for you. But now kids want a car when they graduate. Things are constantly changing. I remember when I first used the telephone, it was a party line. I loved that party line. There was four different houses on that party line. And so when the phone rings, one person got one ring, another one two rings. And so you knew which one. But as us kids, when it began to ring, we would pick it up real careful and be real quiet and the great joy of where I was raised at was everybody knew everybody's business. Because we'd listen in on that party line. But after a while, we got a private line. So when the phone rang, I never answered it. Because I wouldn't find out anything new, and so I didn't care about it. I remember when you need to use a phone, they had what they call phone booths. How many remember those? I remember when I began to travel and preach in the airports, we had a card that we would buy or have it, and we could make long-distance calls from anywhere because we had a calling card. But how things begin to change. I remember when they said, we're going to have cell phones. I said, I'd never have one. How many remember that? Anybody ever say that? Who wants to take a phone with you? They can call back if it's important. At church, the only noise we heard was when a kid was being bad and her mother would swat him or tell him to shut up. But today in church, it's telephones. You know, I hate it when somebody's phone rings and my ring the other day. And my wife looked at me. Have you ever had your wife look at you? Or your husband or... Somebody look at you when your phone rings. But, but things are changing. We have phones now. How many knows that we take them with us? Most of you don't have a landline at all anymore. You just have a cell phone. Things are changing every year. They come out with a new cell phone. And so they begin to sell us, don't they? Why we need this new cell phone. Takes better pictures, 
works faster. It goes on and on electronically. And now not only do we have a cell phone, but now we have a computer on our phone. Hey, guess what I just read? They're trying to develop a chip that can be inserted in your body that can be your phone. It can be your computer. It can even be your mother-in-law if you want one. And what happens when it rings, you just touch the area where the chip is, and you can hear because one day you say it's going to go to your brain, and you'll hear without an earpiece except the one you got in your body. And so I, I was thinking, who wants to have my computer in my hand or wherever they put it, or who wants to have my hand to ring? But yet things are changing. How many knows that? And we're constantly being bombarded by advertisement. How many knows that's true? You know, I've got a couple of habits that most people don't like. One is, my favorite food is greasy cheeseburgers. Now, you might not like it, but when you get 75 like me, you need a little bit of grease so you don't squeak when you walk. And so that's why I eat greasy cheeseburgers. Another thing, you know, when I was a kid, I'd say to my dad and mom, can I have a Coke? And they'd say no. Now I can buy Coke, C-O-K-E. Coke. I see you. I heard you answer me what it was. And now I love Diet Pepsi. And so everybody is trying to get me to quit drinking Diet Pepsi. And I don't want you to try to get me to quit drinking it. I'm 75. If I want a greasy cheeseburger, if I want a hot diet Pepsi or a cold one, I want to drink it. But see, everybody wants everybody else to be like them. Isn't that true? We would love everybody to like the temperature that's comfortable to us in church. When I was raised, they had a big old stoker furnace and Everybody was hot all the time because it kept coming up out of that big grate and we was either freezing to death or burning up. In the summertime, we had no air conditioning and they'd open those little church windows. Everybody was sweating, sitting there, enduring till they could go home. But how things are changing. And you know what? If I'm not careful, I want everything my way. I want you to make good decisions as long as I like them. And the problem we have here today, friend, is that God is, we've been hearing about a family, hearing about the church as a family, and hearing about how the family is an institution ordained by God, and the church is a reflection of that, and yet everybody's going every kind of way, and families aren't families anymore. People don't eat together anymore. Kids don't go with their parents anymore. And parents with their kids anymore. But everybody has their own way. This is called the TV trade generation. We got a wonderful, a wonderful oak table we bought years and years ago. But the only time we use it is when my son or somebody comes to visit us. And we're trying to impress them. Because what Joni wants to watch on TV, I don't watch, and vice versa. So we 
Now we don't have one TV with a piece of wire hoping to get the signal to come in and the picture to where you can see it. But man, we got TVs today. How many TVs you got? I got one, two, three. Say one, two, two, three. Three. Four. Four. And so now our biggest battle is not who's going to watch who, but somebody's TV's too loud and it's interfering with the other one. Now I'm just saying all this to say, in this last day, if we're going to reach this generation for Jesus Christ, and people are going to get saved, and the church is going to be what God wants, it's not about you or I, but it's about God as we're his families and been put into his family that we're going to function and do what God wants us to do. We just had a memorial service for Don McCamish. And it was a wonderful thing. A man had been preaching 70 years. This man's traveled around the world, preached everywhere, and he's had some things. Don liked guns and Don liked to hunt and Don liked all these things. But how many knows in a moment of time, they're gone? And if I believe if I was standing on my deathbed or at the time to die, and I knew I was dying, I don't think anything in this world would have mattered other than my relationship with Jesus Christ and making my life count for eternity by influencing people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pastor Wilson has shared with us many times about when he was a hippie in school and on drugs. He just got really desperate and cried out one time to God, God, send somebody to me that will tell me or talk to me. And he said the next day, I believe it was, or the day after, he was leaving his little trailer he's living in, walking down the road. And a, young, a man came down the road, looked at him, began to share with him about Jesus Christ. Now, I say that because how important that is. Because all that I accumulate and all that you accumulate, we're going to leave it. If we were cool or not cool, we're going to leave it. But one thing we have and one thing we will always have is we'll always have eternal rewards if we make the priority of eternity that priority in our life. There's been a shifting. How many knows that? We once, once called a Christian nation, right? And now we're a nation of many beliefs. And I'm not against these people, but I'm saying the identity of America has been changed. Now, I'm not against people protesting, but I love the flag. And when I was a kid, if, I, if they was playing the Star Spangled Banner and I would do some of the things they do. I'd be about four inches shorter. Because it meant something to people who's fought in the battle, who's given their life around the world, and that flag means something to them. It's just cloth, I understand it. And it's just got some stripes and stars. And I'm not preaching patriotic only tonight, but what I'm saying is it means something. And tonight, the gospel has to mean something to us that we might reach this generation for Jesus. If Ron Jones hadn't came down the road and begin to talk to Pastor Alec Wilson and invite him to church, 
And Pastor Wilson said he kept giving an altar call over and over. I know you're here. I know you're here. And Pastor Wilson said he knew he was the only sinner there. But he wouldn't quit till he came down. If he had stopped, see, that was a priority for Ron Jones in those days. He would witness to everybody, invite people to church, and tell them about Jesus Christ. And if that wasn't his priority and he had to push, what would have happened to Pastor Wilson's life? And what would have happened to the churches that he's pastored? And what would have happened to the nations of the world that he's went around and do crusades and conferences? And not only that, he's pastored and pioneered in Africa two different times. That's all done and all happening because a young man prays, God hears a prayer, finds somebody that really has a concern for what really counts, and that is eternity. That's the concern. And he goes and witnesses to him, and out of his life, if Ron Jones was in eternity tonight, if he was, and he's not, he's pastoring, but if he was, his life would live on because he touched somebody for an eternal purpose, and eternity will never be the same. And in our life tonight, and the question is, who's in control seat? We're all selfish, aren't we? Can anybody admit you're selfish beside me? I'm selfish. I say to my wife, where are you going to go eat? <laughs> That's her favorite thing. I say, where are you going to go? Wherever you want to go. Where do you want to go? Wherever you want to go. Okay. Where do you want to go? And she said, I said, there. Because <laughs> I'm selfish. Important things like that, I want my way. <laughs> so as a family, see what makes a good family is everybody functions and everybody has other people in mind. My dad always went to work, not because he wanted to get up at 3.30 in the morning, but he went to work because my mother and my sisters and myself were on his mind. My dad did without when I grew up. He was a phenomenal influence on me because he would always do without to make sure we had lunch money at school. And I had clothes to wear because family was most important to him. My dad looked at me one time and he says, I don't have anything to give you but my name. And he says, our name means something in this town. I've shared with you, I went to the bank and my grandfather was an old man and he wanted $10,000 and the bank president said, give Mr. Hills $10,000 and Mr. Hills were busy, come back in a couple of weeks and we'll drop the paperwork. That's because his name meant something. Today, you're going to borrow $10,000, which you got. See, things have changed, didn't it? You heard people say a handshake was a man's word, right? Now, but I'm going to leave all this in just a minute because there's something more important in all of this, and that is that as Christians, our name means something. And we have an obligation, not just an obligation, but an opportunity to make our life count. I wonder what happened to this crowd in here tonight, knew that you would be in eternity tomorrow, 
As you looked around your house and the positions and your bank account, I wonder if it would matter. Because you're going to leave it, right? We're going to leave it. But what would matter to me and you and us is this is a family of God. We all work together. When something needed to be done, we all did it or volunteered to do it maybe. And when people are lost and desperate in our town, then we would be all about just like Ron Jones was that day. I, I was thinking about that tonight when I asked him if I could use that as illustration. I wonder how many Alex Wilson that's maybe even prayed in this town this week, if you're real, send somebody to me. I wonder how many people's ever prayed that in this town. If you're real, let somebody care. If there's real hope, if I can change, send somebody to me that can help me. And yet we have that opportunity to make our life count for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the world's constantly pulling on us, aren't they? I can't believe it, but they even advertise underwear on the TV now. I mean, of all crummy stuff, underwear. Isn't there more important to life than underwear? I don't mean you shouldn't have them. I just said, it don't seem like that's important. I mean, the world's hungry. Kids are desperate for school supplies. All kinds of things are needed in the world, and yet... Our world is just flying a million miles an hour in every way. And yet you and I as the church of Jesus Christ and as of the family of God, we have unlimited opportunity to make an impact with our life upon this generation. Only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for God will last. And you know tonight... As you and I are here, we have the answer for this generation. When Joni and I were in South Africa, and we were living there for a period of time, we went to this church, and it was a huge church. I mean huge, several thousands. And we walked in the back door of this church. We didn't know anybody they handed us a bulletin, and we went and sat down. It was time to greet people, and they, everybody shook everybody's hand, and we just sit there, and nobody shook our hand. And I said to my wife, if I was looking for a church, it wouldn't be this one. Because here we were, way away from America, and we were Christians, though, and we just wanted to have a friend or somebody we'd know, and we go to a church and felt like total strangers. And you know, our church is a place where as we gather together as a family of God, need to be a church with anybody walking those back doors, they feel like people care. And I, and I preach this, this is different because I, I preach a lot of faith and other things, but you know, I've just been aware lately of what a mess we're all living in. It is. 
It doesn't matter what your politics, it doesn't matter about what titles you have, but we're living in a world that's rapidly flying down the road, everybody wanting their own thing, and there's yet unlimited opportunity that you and I have to make an impact upon this generation. Don McCamish, for all the things he's done, and all the times he went and preached for these little pastors that couldn't afford him, and yet he went for them. And all those times he told all of us what the greatest sermon he's ever heard. And we knew it wasn't the truth, but we loved it. It gave his life for something that in a moment of time, it was all worth it. Just recently, I had somebody call me from a restaurant and said, uh, Pastor, because I go in restaurants, and so they knew who I was, could you come by? We need to ask you something. So I went by there, and they said, we have this family with kids that's been here for two days. And uh, this family uh, was waiting on some money to be wired to them, and then the last minute, uh, we had been feeding them. They'd been sleeping in the car on our parking lot. Uh, The people called and said, we just couldn't get the money. We couldn't send it. And so I said, well, what needs to be done? She said, they need some gas. Now, we have people coming here for gas all the time and helps all the time. So I'm standing there, and I'm thinking about that. And she knew I was part of this church, but even above that, something happened to me uh, yesterday or this morning when I got up that triggered something in me about this situation. My wife left me a note on the bookcase. There's a little bird in the backyard, and I think it's hurt. So shut the gate in the morning so the dogs don't get it. And so I got up, went out, and there's this little bird, just really bad shape, and I shut the gate. And when I did that, the thought came to me, when a sparrow falls from heaven, God knows it. So there's a little bird in my backyard that's dying, and yet God sees it. To me, I'm thinking about burying it or getting it out of my backyard before the bird gets ate by my dog. And so when I came to church, I didn't tell nobody this, but I said, then I get this call about these people, and I think God's seen them. I see somebody needs gas, but God sees them. And so... We filled the car up, and off they went. But I thought about this, if I can just make it more spiritual. I, we have opportunities all the time to touch people to make a difference in their lives. Joni and I used to travel and live in a car part of the time, and we'd travel, and we had one lady bought us two tires. She looked at our car, and we needed tires, and they were terrible. And she bought us two tires. Other people have fed us, and other people kept us in the house. Matter of fact, our little boy, his bed was the car when we traveled in evangelism. And we were in the hills of North Carolina, and it was a farmland. I shared about this place before, and the lady knew we was in our car and told us to come in. We could sleep in their house. And my boy cried all night because he wanted to go back out in the car. That was his bed. And there's been times people reach out to us, touch us, 
supernaturally we'd get food, money would come from places we didn't know. And it made a difference in my life, and I was a Christian, and I was thinking about the difference as a family here. We have an opportunity as a family to respond and touch lives eternally. There are people in this town that because of this family, God could bring them in, and they can meet him because you and I are sensitive to the purpose that we're on earth for. When Jesus said that you might go and bear fruit, your fruit would remain. And whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he'll give you. And you know, I, I talk a lot about this, but if it wasn't for Ron Jones, would, well, where would Pastor Wilson be? You say, well, somebody would have came. God needs somebody to be his mouthpiece. Can you say amen? God needs somebody to be his legs, and God needs people to respond. And you and I, as the family of God and this family of this church, we have an opportunity to make a difference here in Kingman, Arizona. One day, in a moment of time, we'll leave it all. In this city, in a moment of time, people are leaving it all. How many know that? There's been some young people just die. Some older folks just die. Middle-aged people just die. People are taking their own lives because... They don't see any hope. One nice thing about uh, Pastor Wilson, I believe read that, about the child wanting to come home. When you went and read that in your sermon, Pastor Wilson, you read an article about the family couldn't wait for this child to come home. You know all of heaven is waiting for the people of God to come home. Those that Jesus died for, those that he hung on the cross for, the one he suffered ridicule for, heaven's waiting for those to come home. And you know, tonight, the great thing about us as not only a family, but individuals and people in this church, we have great opportunities to make a difference in eternity in the lives of people. See, I asked the question, who's in control of our lives, right? But maybe I should ask this of me, is God in control of my life? Because that's what's really important, isn't it? Is that we surrender to God. I remember as a boy, they used to sing this altar call, and it made me feel terrible. I didn't want them to sing it. I surrender all. I surrender all, all to Jesus. I surrender. I surrender all. And you know, as a young person, I had things I wanted. I didn't mind doing God's way, my way, but I had things I wanted. And yet tonight we have a great opportunity. You know, we're talking about God blessing our church and pouring out his spirit upon us and bringing in new people. And guess how he does it with people like you and I. And this is a great time, isn't it? A great time. All you see is wickedness. All you see is trash. All you hear is all this stuff. And yet there's a God in heaven 
that died for this world, who rose again on the third day and stand at the right hand of his Father, making intercession and wants to help us to make a difference in eternity that men and women might be saved and have eternal life and that they might make heaven their home. It's like the kid who said when their parents was talking to him and looking at him, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And as the parents walk away, they're saying their mind, but I don't mean it. You know, God has a purpose for every person here. See, if, if Ron Jones would have won Alex Wilson to the Lord, and that's the only one that would ever responded to him. His life is still making dividends because Alec Wilson went out and he won people. And there's people in Africa that's preaching the gospel, getting people saved because Ron Jones touched Alec Wilson who touched them and they're touching people. And it goes on and on and on. Billy Graham is an old man. Old in his body, he's not preaching anymore during the crusades. But there's a young man by the name of Tex Deaton I went to school with who was a drunk. And he's watching the TV. That's back when you had to get up and turn the knobs. It's not who's got the remote. It's who wants to get up and change the channel. When you had three channels. And he's half drunk, you know, drinking and drinking, and he gets up to turn the channel, and when he turns the channel, Billy Graham's coming on and says, don't touch that TV, I got something for you. And Tex said, he began to share about how to be born again, and he said, I got off my couch on my knees and cried out to God and asked him to come my life, and today Tex Deaton is preaching the gospel. People are getting saved all because a man on TV said, don't turn that knob. Don't touch that knob. I have a message for you. That's what the kingdom is. It's people like you and me, each one of us, doing everything we can to touch somebody with the gospel. Because the multiplication of that can literally touch millions It's just like when we did the Christmas boxes. No one church or one person could touch millions of kids around the world. But Franklin Graham got a vision to start challenging people to fill a shoebox and that they'd take them around the world. And when the kids got a present, which some of them has never had a present before, they would get some literature in their language. And then they would take them and give them a couple weeks classes so they know how to be born again and help those churches. And today, literally millions and millions and millions of people, young people, have been touched with the gospel of Christ because individual people wraps a box and buys a few toys, prays over it, they get it on a big transport, fly it around the world, and kids are being changed for the gospel of Jesus Christ because people buy some toys and put them in a box. And it might have started out with maybe he bought a box and gave it to a kid. I don't know how he started it. 
But literally multitudes upon multitudes of children gets presents for the first time in these poor places. Even in America, in the hills of Kentucky back in those places, kids never had a gift or get a gift. And they live in poverty, but they take those boxes in and share the gospel. It's not just about presents, although kids should get a present. Don't you think so? But through that avenue, kids get the gospel. Our congregation, us, you and I, if we'll be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, as God might lead us or give us an opportunity, you might touch the next Alec Wilson with the gospel. And you know, if Jesus tarries, you could be gone and not even be a memory. How many knows we're about one or two generations from not being a memory? Back in my hometown, they got this cemetery, acres upon acres, gorgeous cemetery. It's not dirt. It's green grass, beautifully mowed, real grass. And yet there's thousands of people on that hillside that nobody remembers or knows. At one time, this world was everything to them. At one time, their friends, they looked to them, they loved them, but those generations are gone. And the only way you could even know who they are, you can go, I used to, when I preach revivals, would find those cemeteries. I like to read tombstones because they used to say she was a godly mother or he gave his life for his nation. And that's all I would know about those people, just be a name on a stone. But if Jesus would tarry two more hundred years, if he would, you won't remember, and people won't remember Ron Jones unless they get some, check their ancestry and find out who he was, or they won't remember Alec Wilson in 200 years if Jesus tarries, or you and me. But I will tell you what can be living on and it could be years and years after us or even decades after us is the people's lives that we impact with the gospel who give their life to Jesus Christ. And through them, it passes on and it lives on because people's lives are being changed. This is a great time to touch somebody's life. How many of you are really glad Ron Jones witnessed Alec Wilson? How many, let me ask you this, how many times has Alex Wilson blessed or preached that you've been blessed? All the funny stories he told that wasn't funny. Life would be so empty without those. But he's, he's told some good ones lately. But see, that all happens because people like you and I simply do what Christians can do, and that's share the gospel with someone that their lives can be changed and set free and that they can have eternal life and that they can be alive somewhere a million years from now in eternity and be with God. Let's consider in this generation that's flying down the road, speed it up. Constantly things are changing by the minute, by the day, by the week. Let's don't forget 
that we cannot change. There's no better way to see lives change than knowing Jesus Christ. It's only Jesus that can make us new. It's only Jesus that can forgive our sins. It's only Jesus' blood can make a way for you and I to be in heaven. And this is an opportunity as a family. You know, one of the things I just read or heard yesterday on the radio, there was this family, and one of the people were dying of this blood disease or some disease, and all the family had come to give their blood to see if they qualified to help this person or this transplant they needed, and none of them qualified. And so they put it out in the news media, and when the amazing part was, two or 3,000 people came forward and says, I'll give to them, and yet they're not even their family. They weren't raised in the same house. They didn't grow up together, but yet they seen the need, and they came forward and said, I'll volunteer. If I qualify, I'll give what they need. Well, let me say this to you tonight. We qualify because what we have meets the need. And so the call is here. The desperation is here. Eternity's at stake. We need to pray. Just like Alex prayed, send somebody. Ron was praying. Probably, Lord, help me as he walked down that little road into that place where Alex was living. And God used him. And miraculously, his life was changed in a moment of time. And everybody he touches Their lives will be changed, but Ron's life lives on because he took time to share Jesus with somebody. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you tonight for changed lives. We thank you that somehow we heard the gospel, whether it was through preaching or somebody shared with us or we read a book or we heard a tape. Because of what we heard, it's made a difference, and we're a new creature. And that we're a part of your family. We're so excited to say, I'm a part of the family of God. And so tonight we ask you this, Lord. As a spiritual family here on the earth, would you help us? Here at Praise Chapel, will you help us? And Lord, help us to keep a right priority to share the gospel with the lost so that God, people can be changed and spend eternity in heaven and that we might fulfill the call of God as a family of God and that's take the gospel of good news to those that are desperate without you. Help us, Lord. Make us sensitive when we meet people. Put people on our hearts, Lord, I pray. Let us come in contact with people that as we share with them, Lord, that you would help us, that there will not just be words that we speak, but anointed by the Holy Ghost that will touch them so they can be eternally changed. We thank you, Lord, that before we were, you loved us. And while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And that you come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Help us to live a life that will touch people for all eternity, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen.